coverage. This is the PFT PM podcast. And now your host, Mike Florio. May 9th edition of the PFT PM podcast. Boy, today, not really a busy day. Today, the first day in a while where I looked at everything that had happened since PFT Live ended and I thought, shit, there really isn't anything going on today. But I still said I would keep doing it. I'm here. I'll do it. Maybe I won't go for a full hour. Maybe I'll answer all your questions. There aren't as many questions as usual today. It tells you it's just one of those days. We're going to have days like that where there isn't a lot going on. Now, something was going on in Dallas. I guess they had a golf outing. So it was an opportunity to talk to some of the Cowboys representatives. Let's let's start there. Shereen Williams, who does an excellent job with us at PFT, was there to talk to some of the folks, some of the newsmakers, and it begins and ends with Jerry Jones at the top of that stack. He was asked about the reaction to Des Bryant's ongoing unemployment. And specifically when we consider that Cowboys scouting chief Will McClay cited a week or so ago Bryant's inability to win one-on-one matchups, to win downfield, he was inconsistent, etc. Jerry Jones said, I don't feel that way. That's not to disagree at all with Will McClay, but I wish and I want Des to have the opportunity to compete in the NFL. I think he can and I think he will. He certainly got the right stuff, and the real question is, as every player in his career deals with injuries or deals with length of career, I think he's very capable mentally as well as physically to do the kinds of things that you have to adjust as you move on through your career. We just lost one of the greatest role models that he that may have ever played this game in Jason Witten, but certainly I think he can take some of the things he's seen Jason do and incorporate that type of attitude and work ethic in what he's doing and get a chance to be back out there. That's a very positive way of saying that they don't like the way Dez approaches the game. They don't like his mentality. He's too emotional. And see, that's the thing. When you're that emotional, when you're too much of anything that isn't a positive for a team, you're there only until you start to slip. And once you start to slip, you're gone. Whether it's Richard Sherman in Seattle or whether it's Dez Bryant in Dallas or any other guy who's been a handful When a guy's a handful, as long as he is a great player, the team will put up with it. The moment that stops is the moment the guy stops being employed by the team. Because if all these things that Jerry Jones were saying, the positive things, were true, then you throw him the veteran minimum and you bring him back. You give him something. You give him an incentive package so he gets paid if he comes back and plays well. They don't want him, and that says everything. As to the fact that Bryant doesn't have a job, what's Jerry's reaction? He says, I don't have a reaction because I have no idea if that's the volition of other teams or Dez's choice. I certainly know he's probably got the opportunities and is going to be pretty selective and should be. He's earned it. By the same token, I wouldn't dare speak for any of the other 31 teams. Look, the reports are most teams aren't interested at any price. The question is, what does Dez want? Does he want a one-year deal? that maximizes his payout and sets the stage for hitting free agency next year, what would it take? And at some point, will he take anything he can get? For now, though, he remains available. There's value in being on a field during off-season workouts, so you commence the process of learning the offense and getting comfortable with a new quarterback, getting comfortable with new teammates, getting comfortable with the terminology and the system. You don't want to just show up at the start of training camp, and you definitely don't want to show up once the season starts. How many times have we seen a receiver jump to a team when the train is already moving, and how hard is it for that receiver to be effective? So who knows what's going to happen with Dez. And I feel like Jerry is trying to keep things from boiling over in Dallas. That... He doesn't want it to get any uglier than it's already been. And it has been ugly at times. And Dez has been upset. And I think Jerry trying to to keep it from going past a line. And I don't know what the line would be. But I feel like he's trying to keep it from going past there. But the bottom line is, they're not interested. And 
when one of the top scouts on the team comes out and says Dez can't do it anymore, I don't know that Jerry's disagreement is as convincing as maybe it could have been. The Seahawks are looking for a receiver. They didn't bring in Des Bryant. They're bringing in Brandon Marshall for a visit. And look, Brandon Marshall can still get it done. He's been around four years longer than Des, but he's had some great performances. His numbers are borderline Hall of Fame. He's never played in a playoff game. Last year, an injury wiped out his season with the Giants. Same game as Odell Beckham Jr. suffered his season-ending injury, I believe. I may be wrong, but it doesn't matter if you're factually wrong as long as you believe it, right? That's America. It's not a factual inaccuracy if you believe it's factually true. I choose to believe that Brandon Marshall suffered his ankle, foot injury, whatever it was, during the Chargers Week 5. The Seahawks need help at receiver. Paul Richardson left in free agency. They've got Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, Jerron Brown, Marcus Johnson, Amara Darbo, and Tanner McAvoy. Now, the question is, will Brandon Marshall fit with the mentality, with the new shift, I think, toward Russell Wilson as the leader of the team? And at this point, if Marshall just wants to play and compete, then I think he does what he has to do to get along if he wants to extend his career. He's got a promising media career. I guess he has to ask himself... Can I keep playing for another year or two and then jump into the media, or should I just go ahead and do it now? So we'll see what opportunities he has. But Marshall and Bryant looking for work. Also looking for Scott Campbell. He'd been with Washington since 2001, came in as the director of college scouting in 2001. At one point, he jumped over to the pro personnel department, which means you scout players in the league who may come available for trade, free agency, etc., waiver claims, Guys in the league, college scouting, guys entering the league, pro scouting, guys already in the league that you may have a chance to acquire. He went back to the director of college scouting. At one point, he was director of player personnel, then back to director of college scouting. His online bio, very flowery and glowing about his work as director of college scouting. And there was a point last year, post Scott McLuhan, that the thinking was Campbell had a chance of taking over the front office, at least taking over the scouting aspect. Doug Williams got it. Scott Campbell was reassigned to senior personnel executive, and now he's out. I saw that 106.7 The Fan in D.C. has reported that Campbell's contract was expiring, and that's why they parted ways. Look, this is semantics. All that means is there's no buyout, or more accurately, no buyout that the team can stiff him out of, forcing him to sue to get it. He just walks away, and the team owes him nothing. But he'd been there 17 years. He probably has had contracts renewed. I doubt that he signed a 17-year contract when he walked through the door. The fact that his contract expired doesn't make this anything less of a firing. The Vikings fired Mike Tice when his contract expired. The Titans fired Jeff Fisher when his contract expired. The Panthers fired John Fox when his contract expired. All it means is no buyout. That's it. Oh, he's not really fired. His contract expired and we just hired somebody else. Yeah, you fired him. You fired him. It's okay. It's okay to admit that you did what you did. I don't know why they fired him. May just be a good old-fashioned power struggle. Doug Williams is in charge, and he wants there to be no misunderstanding as to who's running the show. But if the stuff in Scott Campbell's online bio isn't a bunch of puffery, well, I'd say that he did a pretty good job. So we'll see how quickly he lands somewhere else. 31 years in the NFL. Started with the Falcons in 1987, the son of Marion Campbell who was the coach of the Falcons at the time. He's been with the Chiefs, the Bears, and 17 years with Washington and now looking for work somewhere else. And, you know, this is the time of year that teams make changes to the front office after the draft. It's more it's more logical and natural. No GMs fired after the draft this year. Last year, it was the Bills. It was the Panthers late in the offseason. And it was the Chiefs after the draft. It was somewhat late for the Chiefs. So I guess we have to keep an eye open for the possibility of a surprise shakeup. Because we saw it three times really last year. Although we felt it coming with Doug Whaley and Buffalo. Maybe there will be something with one of these other teams. Let me take a quick look at the grid. I always, When I start thinking about the league at large, I take a look at the inside cover of the record and fact book. Because it's got 
all 32 teams. And I'm looking to see if anything jumps out here. Is maybe a team that would be making a change. We did have Brian Gain take over for Rick Smith in Houston. That happened at the end of the regular season. There's nothing else here that is suggesting to me that anything would be looming. Reggie McKenzie, the thinking is he's just basically surrendered the keys to John Gruden, so I don't see him getting nudged out unexpectedly. Everything else that I'm looking at here doesn't suggest that there would be any change. Brian Gutekunst got the job after the season in Green Bay. Jason Light is believed to be on the hot seat in Tampa this season, but not not now. I think everything else seems to be buttoned up. You know, there was a time where Les Snead was believed to be in trouble with the Rams, but who's really calling the shots there from a personnel standpoint? Is it Sean McVay? Is it Les Snead? Is Kevin Demoff in a position where he's got a ladle in the stew? Who knows? But I I would say that the over-under on a GM firing between now and the start of the regular season is .5, and I'll take the under. I got a kick out of the story from Peter Gammons for The Athletic about Ichiro. Remember when he was Ichiro Suzuki? He's just Ichiro now, right? Do they call him Ichiro Suzuki? In our article, we say Ichiro Suzuki. I thought he was just Ichiro. In the story, he said that all of a sudden he started getting text messages from someone who got Ichiro's number from Alex Rodriguez. And one of the Seattle coaches asked Ichiro, who is it that's texting him? Ichiro said, some guy named Tom Brady. Who the F is Tom Brady? (laughs) Ah, that's good. That's good. Who the F is Tom Brady? It just shows you that even though football is the dominant sport in America, plenty of people don't pay any attention to it at all. And I would say people who are all in completely and totally with other sports. Because, for example, a guy named Paxton threw a no-hitter for Seattle last night. Stats got to bed late because he watched it all. And if you'd have told me somebody named Paxton played a professional sport, I'd say he must be in the NBA because there was a Paxton in the NBA. And you could tell me the names of the best players in Major League Baseball right now, and I would tell you I have no idea who they are. In basketball, some of these names that I'm hearing, I mean, I hear enough of them more than enough times that, you know, it starts to sink in. But some of these guys who are playing well in the playoffs, it's like, I don't know who that is. So it doesn't surprise me that some people who are totally focused on other sports won't know who Tom Brady is. But isn't it safe to say that the top star in every sport, who's the top baseball player right now? I really don't know. Like, the one best baseball player, whoever the one consensus best baseball player is, I I can't even tell you, because Jeter's gone, Rodriguez is gone, who's the one, like, who's the LeBron, is there a LeBron in baseball? If it is, I don't know who the hell it is. Is it Ichiro? No. I, I know that Ichiro's, like, washed up now and not playing anymore. You got Tom Brady, you got LeBron, you got Sidney Crosby, and you got baseball. Reggie Jackson. I don't know. Papa John. Quick word on that. I saw the report last night from Bloomberg that Papa John's earnings were down, even though they no longer can blame the NFL. Look, this was a stretch from the get-go. Papa John's is just struggling. Maybe there's just too many pizza makers out there, too many chains that go along with all of the local pizza establishments. And now Pizza Hut in partnership with the NFL. You know how I feel about Pizza Hut. And there is no Pizza Hut sponsorship of PFT, PFTPM, PFT Live. Maybe there's some ads that pop up on profootballtalk.com that NBC has sold. I don't know. We don't have any involvement of that. There's no direct PFT, Pizza Hut sponsorship. Although we're willing. I mean, why wouldn't you want to have a sponsorship with a product that you already use? Doesn't that make the most sense? Alfa Romeo makes sense. Pizza Hut Makes sense. I got a Ford F-150 truck. Makes sense. Legos. Makes sense. Who else were we trying to get the sponsor of the podcast? I'm already forgetting. There's so many that we're trying. But it doesn't tell you much about the quality of the podcast if I got all these different brands I use and nobody's interested. DCS grills. Oh, man, that grill is nice. I fired that grill up today. I don't want to use it. 
I don't want to use it because it's never going to be in better shape than it is right now. Four burners, another burner for a smoker, and also a rotisserie attachment that has like a burner that goes across the back. I just assumed for the rotisserie, and there's a separate rotisserie motor that hooks up to the thing. I thought for the rotisserie, it would just be the heat emanating from the grill. Oh, no. No. There's a separate heating element, and you can hear it fire up the natural gas. It's very subtle. It's very, it's, 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 it's like this ceramic thing, and there's a thermocouple there. It's, uh, I didn't even really fully appreciate what that thing was. Oh, it's nice. Oh, it's very nice. DCS grill. Well done. Well done. And uh, the, the burners, I put all four of them on today. Close the lid. It's got a thermometer in the lid. And when you turn those four burners on and close that lid, it's, it, the, 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 the gauge on the thermometer moves like the second hand on a clock. Before you know it, it's 400 degrees. But it's it's got the it's got these burners that they don't have huge flame. It's a very fine flame, and it, it it's and you can hear it engage. And above that, there is a row of these ceramic tubes that get heated up. And then above that, the rack that goes downhill. It's U-shaped, so it sucks the grease right off. But I know once I start cooking on, it's going to get filthy. It's going to look like every other grill. Maybe I'll just never cook on it. Maybe I'll get another grill that I cook on, and this will just be the grill that I go out and turn it on and say this thing is impressive. It's too nice to cook on it. So DCS Grills, the grill that's too nice to cook on. See, I came up with a tagline. Call us up, DCS Grills, and or Lego, and or Pizza Hut, and or Alfa Romeo, and or Ford, and or Coke Zero. What else? Crown Royal. What else? Crown Royal. Woodford Reserve, they got they got to deal with NBC. Pappy Van Winkle, I don't think they advertise. They don't need to. I got a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle that uh, is being saved for a special occasion. Special occasion that may never come, but uh, it's being saved for a special occasion. Actually, there are two conditions for the consumption of the bottle of Pappy Van Winkle. I think I said that on Paul Allen's show recently. He was he was trying to pester me as to what they were, and I wouldn't tell him. Maybe that'll be the new guessing game. We haven't had one for a while. What will it take for me to open the bottle of Pappy Van Winkle? All right, time to open up the questions for today. I'm milking. Hey, look, it's a, the, 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 there's not a whole lot of milk in the udder today, but we, we got about 20 minutes out of the news of the day. Let's see what else is happening. Oh, one, one more thing. One more thing. The Mark Ingram case. I... He, he's got no chance of overturning this. And I don't know what his agents are doing. When his agents say that he didn't test positive for a performance-enhancing substance, he's suspended under the performance-enhancing drug policy. So he necessarily has taken a performance-enhancing substance. And I've asked the NFL, has he done enough through his agents to activate the exception to the confidentiality clause that allows the NFL to say... Oh, you know what? Yeah, he's full of crap. Here's what he took. We'll, we'll see if there's a response. I just checked my email. I haven't heard back from the NFL yet. I sent the question just a few minutes before we got started. But th there's an exception now where the confidentiality is waived by the player when he or his agent tell a lie about what he took. And if you say it wasn't a performance-enhancing drug, well... Anything under this policy that you test positive for is a PED. So we'll see if they say anything. PFTP and Posse, what rules are there surrounding Reggie McKenzie's communications with his son? Any way he could get busted for tampering? It would be difficult. It's not like he can't talk to his son. And coaches and players from different teams communicate all the time. Now, if Reggie McKenzie or his son were to come out and say, hey, you know what? Dad is already recruiting me to join the Raiders when my contract expires. That could be a problem. So there's a line they can't cross. But how do you prove it if it's a conversation that happens at Thanksgiving dinner? 
PFT PM Posse, why does the NFL continue to ban cannabis? What do they gain from it? If a, if player safety matters, getting hardcore and addictive painkillers out of the game should be a high priority. Not everybody that gets concussed ends up with CTE, but take enough pain pills and you will get hooked. Here's the thing. It's not a matter of player safety. It's not a matter of making some sort of a judgment, father knows best, whatever the case may be. The fact is the NFL currently has the right to ban marijuana and the right to punish players who test positive. And if the players want to change the status quo, the players have to make a concession to the league at the bargaining table. And it's very easy for the NFL when it has something that that the NFLPA would like to have, assuming that the NFLPA even wants it. Because if I'm D. Smith, the executive director of the NFLPA, my position is, who cares? Smart players know how to avoid testing positive. The NFL very easily just can say, hey, you guys are the ones who want a union. You guys are the ones who want collective bargaining. So if there's something that we have that you want, then you have to give us something. And I think that's why this policy is still in place. It's a matter of bargaining. It's a matter of power. It's a matter of leverage. It's not a matter of safety. It's not a matter of telling players how to live their lives. The NFL currently has that right. It was born of the war on drugs back in the 80s. And... They're not going to give it up unless they get something in return. PFTPM Posse OG Terry Gensler, every habitual pot-smoking friend I've ever had has claimed jury duty or such when work calls. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? No, we, we, Chris, Chris Sims had jury duty. I mean, he did not stay home to bake today because it's the first time he's missed a day. Like, the guy would have missed a day before now if he just wanted to smoke pot all day. So, and he only works for us 3 days a week. He's got 4 other days where he can do that. PFTP and Posse, what's the biggest instance of a player getting screwed by the NFL messing up or misapplying the PED policy test? Star Caps jumps to the top of the list initially. And and it is Star Caps because in that case there was evidence that the NFL was aware that the supplement known as Star Caps, a weight loss supplement, had been tainted with a prescription diuretic which would tend to make it an effective weight loss tool. Hey, take this weight loss supplement. Yes, it's been spiked with a prescription diuretic that will cause you to shed all water in your body and therefore lose weight. The fact that the NFL knew about it and didn't tell the NFL PA and essentially allowed a trap to exist where players would take it, players tested positive, and then players got suspended. Now, Kevin Williams and Pat Williams did a nice job of delaying the suspension through the court system. That was eight, nine years ago. But ultimately, the suspensions were upheld. The joke was on the NFL, though, because by the time the suspension was upheld, Pat Williams retired. What else do we have here? PFTPM Posse, do you bake pizza on the grill? How about a homemade version of chicken and pepperoni? Hey, I don't know that I could do a homemade version of chicken and pepperoni that would be as good as the Pizza Hut. Grilled chicken, pepperoni on hand-toffed, tossed crust with the Parmesan finish. We did pizza on the grill a couple of years ago on a stone, and it was so damn good. Now, apparently, this new grill, when you flip the grate over, and I, I would not recommend doing it while the grill's on, but when you flip the grate over from the U-tape, the U-shaped tubes that, that drain the grease from, you know, steak or whatever into a pan, when you flip it over, it's for... They said in the direction manual that I've skimmed that you could cook pizza directly on that. So, you know, you put the dough on it and it's and it, it's got enough surface area where things don't fall through the cracks. Um, so we may be able to just put a shell right on there. And, and I think I, well, I got to figure out how to properly use it. Um, but uh, we may be able to pull that off. And, and that will be something. I have a feeling that uh, uh, the the over under on weight gain this summer let me go with 12 and a half pounds. But you know what? Here's the thing. I've been very conscious. I've been very, very good lately because I got to a point where NBC was shrinking my clothes, right? Haven't we all been there where somebody shrinks our clothes? It's, it's rigged. It's a conspiracy. Men throughout the country have their clothes shrink by someone. And NBC was shrinking my clothes. I noticed it really playoff time and at the Super Bowl. One of the suits they gave me, somebody had really shrunk that one. So I uh, I have taken it upon myself to shrink myself. So uh, 
this summer I'm I'm going to be although you know there may be some nights where we go a little haywire it's the daytime consumption that I have restricted in the hopes of of uh, being able to fit into my ever shrinking suits does Ichiro not knowing who TB12 is show that the NFL has a lot of work to do to grow the shield internationally no no I don't I don't think that's it I think that there are people out there who still aren't paying attention to football domestically. Ichiro's been here in the United States for how long now? 15, 20 years? There are plenty of people in the United States who don't know Tom, who Tom Brady is. And I've said from time to time, maybe instead of trying to grow the sport internationally, they should try to further saturate the U.S. market. But maybe they've done studies. They've concluded they've, they've saturated as much as they can. And for the money and time they would spend, there's more money to be made by introducing audiences in other countries to the sport. Recliner QB, with Jerry promising an extraordinary contract for Dak, even though he hasn't earned one yet, is Jerry going to overpay again for a player that will hurt our cap for years to come? I don't know about that. Look, they've got Dak and Ezekiel Elliott, both of whom will be eligible for their second contracts after this season. And you can call it extraordinary, and you can hype it up, and you can say it's this, that, or the other thing, but maybe the numbers just won't be as great as they could be. And I think that Jerry Jones will try to sell Dak on the notion that if you leave some money behind, you can make a lot of money being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. And that one of the fringe benefits is you make your money off the field. The What's the, the, the yogurt deal? That Who had the yogurt deal and they dropped him? Oh my, how can I forget? Somebody had a yogurt deal and they dropped him for Dak Prescott. Who got dropped from the yogurt deal? Remember that? Did somebody get in trouble? What happened that caused somebody to lose their yogurt hookup? I can't remember. That's embarrassing that I can't remember. But anyway, Dak Prescott and oh, it was Cam Newton. It was Cam Newton. They dropped Cam Newton after the after the uh, uh, the question to Jordan Rodriguez of the Charlotte Observer. Oh my God, I completely forgotten about that. Yeah, they dropped Cam Newton. They went with uh, Dak Prescott. And look, how many different former Cowboys are working NFL broadcast now. So you you can make a lot of money both during your career and afterward if you're the Cowboys starter. And I think they'll use that to try to get Dak Prescott to not expect 30 million, 32 million, 33 million top of the market. I, I don't think he's a top of the market guy. And they'd, they'd be smart to come in and offer him life-changing money after this season as a hedge against him having the kind of performance that would put them in a position where they have to give him a market value contract. Somebody made the point recently, when you look at the market value contracts that have been given out over the past few years, what have those teams really done? Andrew Luck and the Colts, what have they done since then? What have the Raiders done since they paid Derek Carr? What have the Lions done since they paid Matthew Stafford? What will the 49ers do now that they've given Jimmy Garoppolo $27.5 million per year? We'll see. Will the Vikings get $28 million per year in value out of Kirk Cousins? We'll see. There's always a risk there. Recliner QB with PED appeals being handled by an independent arbitrator. Is the process truly fair or is it still tilted in favor of the owners like everything else seems to be? No, it's truly fair now. Now, look, the rules are harsh. If someone sprinkles PED on your salad at Applebee's and you eat it, and you test positive, you're suspended four games. Even if you have a perfectly legitimate reason for having the PED in your system, if it's in your system, you are suspended, unless you have a therapeutic use exemption. So the policy is harsh. But now there's at least a way, if you have an argument, and there aren't a whole lot of arguments. Richard Sherman once had a PED positive, and they attacked the collection process, and they prevailed. So there are some technicalities you can use, but for the most part, when it's strict liability, what can you do? It's a violation if any one of these various substances is in your body, and there aren't a whole lot of defenses to that reality. Terry Gensler, how's the sponsor search going? I Look, I don't know. I mean, it's really not my gift zone to be directly soliciting sponsors, so... Hopefully someone who has those skills, who is working behind the scenes at the PFTPM podcast and the broader podcast operation will be. Look, the bottom line is this. We need to have, the the way it's been explained to me, 
And the way it was explained to me when I started this, if you have a certain level of traffic, the sponsorships will take care of themselves. And we still have a ways to go to get to, I think, where we need to be, where the money's just kind of going to fall out of the sky. So the key is PFTPM policy needs to keep recruiting new members, needs to get the word out, needs to review the podcast, rate the podcast, get people to subscribe to the podcast. And uh, it, it just, the audience needs to grow. And I'm doing everything I can to promote it through the website. I promote it every day on the website. I promote it on Twitter. I mentioned the PFTPM policy to the point where people are saying, hey, what the hell is this PFTPM policy? So hopefully more people will listen. But I think the sponsorship thing is going to be organic. I mean, it's fun to say, hey, Pizza Hut, hook us up. Hey, Legos, hook us up. Hey, Sheets, where you at? But the reality is once we get to a point where the message is being disseminated to enough people, then the companies that already have the money earmarked for advertising in this realm will say, we think we want to put some money against this podcast. So bottom line is we need to grow the audience. So help me if you will. What else? Leapers 500, will you please clarify uh, why the two collusion suits and the player grievances can't be dismissed as so much argle-bargle whining in an at-will hiring situation? Do people who use the term at-will really know what at-will means? Do you? Here's something that bothers me. And, And Leapers 500, this isn't a criticism of you. It's just more of a general observation. People throw around legal terms like they know what they are and they really don't know what they are. And it irritates me because when I'm dabbling in something that I don't know anything about, I don't try to pretend I know something about it unless I actually know something about it. And I wouldn't use a term like at will unless I knew damn well what employment at will means. Like I, people say, oh, isn't this a right to work state? They have a right to work. It's not what, that's not what right to work is. Right to work is a buzzword for the trend that developed in an effort to minimize the importance of unions to pass laws, allowing employees to opt out of being in the union. I have a right to work unrepresented by a union and right to work sounds good. Oh, are you, are you in favor of right to work? Yes, I am. Then vote for me. Okay. Uh, what's right to work? Employment at will means there's no contract. There's no provision. There's no requirement that you remain employed. You can leave anytime you want and you can be fired anytime the employer wants to fire you. And there is no at will employment in the NFL. Every employee of an NFL team is under contract and those contracts are regulated and dictated by the collective bargaining agreement and the collective bargaining agreement contains within it a provision that bans teams from colluding in the hiring and firing of employees. So this isn't an at-will employment situation. The collusion protection is baked into the CBA. And if there is evidence that teams are colluding, then there's a violation. And Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick are fully within their rights to explore that, to make the accusation, to develop evidence and eventually have their day in quasi-court. As it relates to the grievances that were filed earlier this week, against the Bengals and really against all NFL teams, the argument is that the NFL has given players the right to protest during the national anthem. The NFL has confirmed that right in 2016 when Colin Kaepernick first started to protest. They didn't say to Colin Kaepernick, oh, oh, you have to stand. No, you can't. No, no. Players are required to stand. Sorry. Yeah, I know it says must be on the sideline and should stand during the national anthem, but we interpret that to mean you must stand. You know, I've said before, what if he was wearing a headband that had his cause written on it. They would make him take it off because that's when it starts to infringe upon the sponsorship opportunities. The exclusive apparel contract and other contracts that dictate messaging on and around the player uniform. They would shut that down in a second. In this case, they decided to say that the player's are not required to stand. So they have a right to not stand during the anthem. So they have a right to not be hired or fired based upon whether they are inclined to use their right to stand. It's that simple. So this is not at will. This has nothing to do with at will. There is no at will employment among the players in the NFL. Now, some of the front office employees, clerical employees, people who populate the organization are at will employees. But even then, there's an exception. There are many exceptions to at-will employment. 
At-will employment is you can hire and fire for any reason or no reason. Good reason, bad reason, doesn't matter. I don't like your shoes, you're fired. But there are certain things that fall within categories of protection. You can't say, I don't like you because you're not Catholic. I don't like you because you're not a man. I don't like you because you have different skin color than me. I don't like you because you're old and you smell like mung beans. I don't like you because you have a health condition that is going to drive our health care premiums through the roof. I don't like you because uh, you're, you're not heterosexual. See, those are exceptions to at-will employment. And you can't, and, and it's a danger, you know, a little bit of knowledge is so dangerous. And again, I'm not picking on Leapers 500 here, but, but it is one of my triggers. It's one of the things that just, that just gets under my skin where people think they know what terms mean and they, they just issue these broad proclamations about how the legal system works as it relates to employee rights. And they have no freaking clue, none whatsoever, how it works. So I, I and I, I appreciate Leapers 500 for, for putting that ball on the tee so I could kick it as hard as I wanted to. Because I've dealt with so much of that over the last year. You can't imagine. Because of the political nature of the Colin Kaepernick situation, what happens is anytime there's a chance to talk about and, and this is sad. It is so sad with an exclamation point that we are at this point in our country where we cannot have an intelligent and fair and reasoned discourse about things without our own political tribal mindset affecting it. That this isn't about whether or not Colin Kaepernick has the right to protest during the national anthem. And it isn't about whether he has a right to be free from collusive activity by NFL owners. This is about Colin Kaepernick is an asshole because he doesn't stand for the anthem. So anything that has anything to do with Colin Kaepernick I'm against, and I'm going to find a way to argue against anything related to Colin Kaepernick, because if it helps Colin Kaepernick in any way, shape, or form, I don't like it. So I'm going to argue against it, because I'm entitled to argue against it. And we just shout each other down. And there's no effort to understand each other's positions. And there's no effort to find a middle ground. There's no effort to reach a compromise. There's no effort to communicate. Is it a shock that we're basically two different countries in one? Does that surprise anyone? And when you have that mentality, what happens is you open the door for snake oil salesmen and other assorted charlatans to come in and take power because they manipulate us. We feel so strongly about our tribal tendencies that we will get behind. And this is not a political commentary on the current leadership of the country, but those who support the current leader of the country will believe it because it fits with their tribal thinking. We get manipulated, we get used, and we get twisted against each other by those who have not the best of intentions for what they'll do with that power. Whether it's for personal gratification, whether it's just to prove that they could do it, whether it's to stick it to the guy that held the job before, whether it's to create a little pay-for-play scenario where money is going to be funneled through an account that also happens to be the origin of a certain account that resulted in a certain payment to a certain person who, if that person hadn't kept her mouth shut a couple of weeks before the election, there wouldn't have been an opportunity to do all these things. But no one is capable of having an objective conversation about it because it's all driven. It is so politicized. We've... We've allowed the way our politicians think to affect the way we think. And shouldn't we expect more from each other? And shouldn't we expect more from our politicians? This isn't about the planks of the Republican or Democratic platform. And I hate the two-party system. I hate the idea that if there's one thing you like on the grocery list, you have to take them all. I don't want them all, right? I mean, if I go out to dinner and they have one of those predetermined meals and the only way I can get the entree I want is to get the I don't want the whole meal I just want this one thing on the menu that drives me crazy and maybe this is the result of however many 
years, we have been locked in this Democrat and Republican mindset that we were destined to devolve to the point where we just can't communicate. Because it's all about the party that I identify with. Like It's like a sports team or a family member. It's not about right or wrong. It's, I have this tattoo on my brain, on my heart, on my soul, and I must act in accordance with that tattoo, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, no matter how shameless the person is who is the front for what I believe, whether it's Democrat or Republican, because there have been bad politicians on both sides. We must support that person because my interests are tied to that person, no matter how unsavory, unintelligent, unethical, and or criminal that person's intentions or actions may be, Democrat or Republican. That is sad. And I long for the day that there's someone who rises up among us who can speak to our better natures on both sides. Is that even possible? Because the problem is the moment that one starts to emerge on one side, the people on the other side who recognize that person is a threat because that person is too damn rational and reasonable and fair. We've got to demonize that person from the get-go. And I'm sure that there are people who think the current president was the subject of that kind of demonization, and there are people who think the former president was the subject of that kind of demonization. My point is that if and when there's ever someone in the future who is attracted to this snake pit, and that's the other thing too, truly good-hearted, well-meaning people who would make a positive difference and pull people together, why in the hell do they want to do this? Why would you want to get involved in politics, given the way politics are right now, given the way that you're going to step into this morass? You have to be wired to relish it and to be willing to fight back in that morass, in that swamp, in that cesspool, in that septic tank that has all the worst in all of us thrown into one cocktail of shit. Anyway, I don't know how we got down that rabbit hole, but uh, I need a nap now. What else do we have here? Recliner QB, should the Steelers be treating Big Ben like you say the Packers should treat A-Rod as a member of management that at least has insight into what the team's plans are? Well, my point when Aaron Rodgers was supposedly miffed about the firing of Alex Van Pelt and the decision to move on from Jordy Nelson, when I first said, hey, Aaron, no quarterback gets that consideration, I came around a little bit and I said, well, maybe if you want these guys to act like they're part of management, they should. So I think Ben Roethlisberger has earned it. And I think he should get a little bit of consideration here. At a minimum, they should talk to him in advance. So much can be avoided. So much trouble between employers and employees can be avoided if there's proper communication. And I know people are busy. But if you truly respect someone, if you truly care about where they are in your organization, you call them up and say, hey, Ben, look, here's what we're doing here. I know we took Josh Dobbs last year in round four. We're thinking about taking a quarterback in one of the first couple of rounds, and we kind of like this Mason Rudolph guy. And, uh, you know, if he slides down a little bit, maybe we'll take him. Now, I guess you, you run the risk that the quarterback, in an effort to preserve his ox from being gored, would uh, leak it and screw everything up. But if there's truly a relationship of trust and respect – you have that conversation, you avoid some of the things that, that have gone on. But I do think you need to be willing to treat your franchise quarterback like a member of management because you expect him to be one as it relates to getting the other players in the locker room to go along with the program. Terry Gensler, 14, how many times can you recall PED suspensions being overturned? Well, here's the thing, Terry. There have been suspensions overturned that we didn't know about. We're not supposed to know about these. That's why it's not shtick and it's not some stupid virtue signaling that I get pissed off when, and, and I used to report this until I realized the damage that it does because there are people out there who will blab about someone facing a PED suspension. But if the person has appeal rights that haven't been exhausted and that person wins, we weren't supposed to know about it. That person is unfairly stigmatized for something that through the appeal process, it was determined he didn't do. We knew about Richard Sherman's PED test before he won on a technicality. For Adderall, I think it was, back when Adderall was a PED every month of the year. So there have been, I believe, plenty of PED suspensions that have been overturned that we don't know about and we shouldn't know about it. You mentioned, this is Sergio D., you mentioned that apart from visiting Toronto, you've never been outside of the USA. How can that be? Oh, it be. Come and visit me down under and I'll put a shrimp on the barbie for you. I'm not going to Australia. You know how long you got to be on a plane to go to Australia? 
My sister lived in Australia for a year and a half right after she got married. My brother-in-law at one point was a mining engineer, and there was a machine that he had designed, a coal mining machine, and they had to live there for a year and a half. That was a long time ago, like 35 years ago. And it's just, oh, God, my mom went to visit her. It's just an ungodly flight. So, yeah, thanks for the invitation, Sergio, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay, uh, you know, where I am. The Impact 99, what are Mark Ingram's chances of getting a reversal of his suspension? None. It's already over. The appeal's over. It's just a matter of the paperwork being submitted. The Impact 99, what is Kurt Warner's endgame in the latest? I talked to a coach recently story. Is he trying to position for an announcer spot? No, I think what he's trying to do, this is his way of kind of getting the word out that, you know what? I'm available. I'm available and I'm interested. And his response to the reaction to his story that he told in the broadcast booth on Monday night at the St. Louis Cardinals game, his reaction to it, well, it must be a really slow news day. Oh, come on, man. Come on. What irked me about it is it reminded me of what my opinion used to be on J.J. Watt a couple of years ago, that he was a guy who wanted attention, but he wanted to reserve the right to say, what are you looking at when people looked? Hey, everyone, look at me. What the hell are you looking at? And I, I, Kurt Warner's had a couple of these now. I don't know if he's going through his midlife crisis. I don't know if he's always kind of sneaky been this way and it's starting to bubble through as he gets a little older. You know, but, but I'm always on the lookout for phony. I'm always very suspicious of phony. And, and that's biblical. My favorite passage in the New Testament is when Jesus goes to the temple and starts turning over the tables and telling all the crooks and con men to stop treating my father's house like a marketplace. And he was always against the Pharisees and the scribes and the people who had the, the uh, self-righteous approach. And meanwhile, what's the line? Don't, uh, God, there's a line about the plank in your eye. You know what I'm talking about. Basically, don't worry about what other people are doing and don't act like you, you, uh, you know, you have all the answers and you do everything right when you've got your own issues. I just, I, I'm always on the lookout for phony and I, I, I respect what Kurt Warner's done, but I just don't, I don't like how he handled the tweet last week. I don't like the reaction to that. And I don't like the, this, uh, oh yeah. You know, I actually talked to somebody about playing this year and acting like we're overemphasizing it, making too much of it by reacting to the fact that a guy who's going to be 47 next, next month was actually politicking for a job, not in the broadcast booth on the football field. Boy, we got some more good questions here. Let me keep asking. Let's see what we got here. We're Kleiner QB. Donald Penn isn't being charged for domestic violence, and will the coin land on heads or tails for him in relation to Goodell's punishment? Have the Raiders, Gruden, Mark Davis, etc., pissed off John Mara or Roger lately so that he gets a full six-game suspension? Hey, you know, that's a good point. Just because he's not being charged doesn't mean that he won't be potentially suspended. It all comes down to whether or not the alleged victim will cooperate with the NFL when the NFL inevitably investigates. And that's the flaw in this whole thing. If you have a motivated alleged victim who will cooperate with the NFL, then you can get yourself suspended. If the alleged victim won't, there's nothing the NFL can do to force cooperation, and it becomes harder to suspend the player. Matthew Farley, what's one thing you can do to get under Chris Sims' skin? Yeah, I don't know. What do I do to get under his skin? I mean, the whole spleen thing, he's actually good-natured about not having a spleen. We used to give him a hard time about that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to get under his skin. I mean, sometimes he'll say something stupid and I'll call him out, but the thing about him, he doesn't get mad about it. He, he, he plays it off very well. He laughs it off. He's got a good demeanor that way. And, you know, I, I know a lot of former athletes, especially when interacting with someone who didn't play at their level or much of any level for that matter, they can have a certain arrogance and a condescending attitude like, who the hell are you? He's not like that. He's not like that at all. And, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll trade barbs and, and he'll laugh it off. So I don't know what I can do to get under his skin. And, and I, I don't know that I really want to. I kind of like the, the banter that we have. Matthew Farley, what's the most awkward interview you've ever done? I remember one time when I was sitting in for Dan Patrick, Warren Sapp called in, and I think he was in Mr. Hyde mood that day because anybody who's dealt with Warren Sapp knows there's two Warren Sapps, the very nice and funny and gregarious Warren Sapp and the Warren Sapp who uh, has no time or patience for you whatsoever. 
and I could feel myself sweating as I was asking Warren Sapp questions. There was no banter. There was no repartee. There was no effort by him to engage. And I almost think that he was under the impression it was going to be Dan that day, and it was me. And it's like, why the hell am I talking to this guy, this pencil neck twerp? So I remember that one being like, oh, my God, would it only end? Now, I've had others where I felt like during it wasn't going well. And then when I listened to it afterward, it's like, man, that was weird. Why did I think that wasn't going well? But that one with Warren Sapp six, seven years ago, that was a disaster. That was bad. That was one where when you're done, you're like, man, maybe I'm in the wrong line of work. Maybe I am. Leapers 500, who was the least prepared high draft choice you've seen? Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf, Tony Mandrich. Are there any Marinovich types, parent-dominated players who've actually thrived and played well in the NFL? Yeah, I don't know because I think a lot of these guys who are parent-dominated, we don't really know about it because the parents understand to keep all that stuff, you know, under wraps. Least prepared high draft choice. I probably, well, look, here's the thing. Back before 2011, you had to be prepared not only to come in and play football at a high level, you had to be prepared to deal with having a ton of money and no accountability because once you got that gigantic contract, there was nothing they could do to you. You were bulletproof. So Leaf, Russell, anybody who was a huge bust, they weren't prepared for what it was going to take to be in the NFL because it's not just that they lacked the talent. It's they lack the right maturity level and mindset to deal with being an NFL player and deal with having that kind of money and deal with the obligation to work hard once you've been paid so much money guaranteed that you never have to work again. Not everybody can be trusted with a huge pile of money because sometimes when you win the lottery, you quit. You do quit your job, right? People always say, hey, if I win the lottery, I'm quitting my job. Well, some of these athletes win the lottery, and so they de facto quit their jobs. Answer a couple more of these. Our top-tier coaches paid too little with the impact that a good coach can have on a team. Jim Harbaugh, Sean McVay, you would think a top-tier coach would be paid more than $10 million a year. Will a successful coach ever voluntarily test free agency? And that's what's amazing to me. Coaches rarely become free agents, and when they do, they stay put. Remember when Jason Garrett had his best year in Dallas? His contract expired. And there was never any talk about him leaving for another team. Coaches routinely will take the security that comes from their new contract versus trying to play it out and get the biggest possible deal. Bill Belichick, I've heard he's getting north of $12.5 million per year. The Patriots and Belichick managed to keep it quiet. I personally think there is a form of collusion going on when it comes to coaches. When you look at coaching salaries over the last 40 years, how they've grown in comparison to the revenues, the salary cap, the player salaries, the best coaches should be making a lot more money than they make. And I agree, a great coach can go a long way toward making a team better. And I think the best coaches in the NFL right now should be making a lot more. You know, there was a time where we used to hear, well, you know what, there's no salary cap for coaches. I think somebody got involved and said, we probably shouldn't be saying that. And I know there's a belief out there among some coaches that once Roger Goodell became the commissioner, there was a conscious effort by him and his regime to de-emphasize the value of a head coach. And part of it is we're not going to pay these head coaches ridiculous money. Remember Mike Homer was getting like eight and a half million a year from Seattle back around 2005. I still think that's why Bill Cowher resigned from the Steelers when he did. I think he knew that the Roonies were never going to pay him market value. And he beat Mike Holmgren in a Super Bowl, and Holmgren's getting $8.5 million. I thought I think that Cowher's original plan was to go into TV for a year or two, come back and coach a team like Washington that would have paid through the nose, got market value, and he just decided, you know what, I'm making enough doing TV and the, the scattered endorsements that I get that I'm fine doing this. Low pressure, low stress. No wins and losses. You can't get fired unless you really screw up. And I think he just decided at some point to stick with it. Niners season, who signs first, Brandon Marshall or Des Bryant? Well, I mean, Brandon Marshall actually has a visit. So I'm going to go with Brandon Marshall. Reverend Markworth, what punishment would you mete out for reporters that break player confidentiality? I, And I guess what you mean is reporters who violate confidentiality as it relates to things we aren't supposed to know about. Look, the, the, the whole concept of journalism is to find out things we're not supposed to know. 
So it's not a problem for the reporter. What bothers me is when the NFL has a media outlet that it owns and operates, and it has a policy that says there's confidentiality when it comes to PED policy, substance abuse policy. When your media outlet is reporting on these things and breaching the confidentiality, that's a problem as far as I'm concerned. What else is going on? Leapers 500, if you were Batman in the slap meme and stats is Robin, what is he saying that you're correcting him with? And is he wearing the Burt Ward underoos and you're, Bale's, you're in Bale's non-hockey pants suit? Look, I, I, that, that gif, the slap gif, I don't think that's Robin. That's a bad guy. Batman never slapped Robin. Why would Batman have slapped Robin? Faisal Mor- Morale. I, know, I guess I never pronounce his name right. Faisal Morale. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Faisal. I'm just going to call you Faisal from now on. I think it's the last name that I screw up. So I'm just going to go Faisal. Faisal asked, what will cause you to stop following the NFL and start following one of the alternate leagues? Now, let me clarify my position here. As the NFL changes the sport to the point where it potentially becomes unrecognizable, I am concerned that someone is going to come along and start a competing league that embraces football the way it was played in the 80s and 90s. And my warning to the NFL is... If you allow that opening, you can't just assume people aren't going to flock to that other alternative league because they're giving them a product that maybe they want. And if fans do flock to it and there's money to be made in covering it, and if it's an interesting product and people are talking about it and it becomes the hot new thing, yeah, I'll cover it. But I'll still cover the NFL. The question is, will I cover the other league? And the answer is yes. Now, If there ever were NFL plus old school football league competing toe to toe at the same time, like the NFL and the AFL did for several years in the sixties, do you cover both? I think maybe you do. I think maybe you do. It's all driven by what people want. If I think people are following the sport and they're interested in the sport and it's football and this is profootballtalk.com, not nfltalk.com primarily for copyright reasons, then yeah. I'll follow it, and I'll report on it. I've always been driven by bringing to you the things that I find interesting. And I would be very interested to see if an alternative league that embraces playing football the way football used to be played can be competitive. And if the NFL gets rid of the kickoff, gets rid of the three-point stance. Now, Sean Payton said yesterday that the three-point stance isn't going away in our lifetimes, which I hope is good. I don't know. It's only another 40 or 50 years. Doesn't sound like all that long when you've already lived 52, almost 53. 53 is coming up. I don't really care. I'm just grateful to have lived as long as I have. You know, the book that gave me perspective back in the 90s, no 90s, when was it? Was it the 90s? It was the 90s, Tuesdays with Maury. That stupid little book that you could read in a weekend. The Mitch Album book that probably made him ungodly rich. Rich enough to keep paying for that die. I don't know how old Mitch Album is. I don't know how long he's been doing what he's doing, but man, it's been an impressive run with Tuesdays with Maury and the other books that he's put out. But that gave me perspective. It's like, you know, everyone who's ever lived has that timeline. And there's a time that you're a baby. There's a time that you're a kid. There's a time that you're a teenager. There's a time. And, you know, our goal is to ride as much of that timeline as possible. There ain't a damn thing we can do about it so we can just enjoy it. Get back to me in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It's, it's easy to have perspective when you still think you got plenty of time left. Ah, what's 40 or 50 years? Ah, the 70s, that was a long time ago. I'm still fine. I'm still young. I can live to be 115. Do you really want to be 115, though? Have you seen the pictures of the people who make it to 115? Do you really want that? And we all think we're going to be the exception. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll still be able to... You know, smoke a cigar and have some drinks and go work out and do this and do that. Yeah. Stats says his mom has a rule, 80 and out, that she only wants to live 80 years and then that's it. You may feel differently about that when you're 79. For me, I think maybe it's 90, 95. Do you really want to go north of 95? I don't know. This is way too deep. What else do we have going on here? 
Matt in Beantown, can we please define what is meant by long-term contract? Is Kirk Cousins' deal long-term? I feel like the true meaning is a second contract that pays the player market value regardless of the length. Look, Kirk Cousins has a three-year contract. That's it. I don't know. Is that long-term in today's NFL? Maybe anything more than a year is. Matt in Beantown, is it the Caps year asking for a friend? Shut up, Matt. Ollie Hine, how about a YouTube channel where you could upload the videos from PFT Live? Is that not an option at all? I would love it. I think, Ollie, that... that the goal is to keep those videos on our platform for advertising reasons. Because I think YouTube, you know, YouTube, uh, one of the benefits of being successful, you can really dictate strong terms against content providers. And uh, I just don't think that the, the revenue would be there if you export the videos to YouTube the same way it's there by keeping it and keeping the advertising controlled by our platform at NBC and PFT. What else do we have going on? KSTs 13. Any info on when the opinion on Christie versus NCAA will come? There are grumblings it's going to occur June 18th, but you're pretty plugged in wondering if you're hearing anything. Uh, look, here's how it works. The U.S. Supreme Court takes up a limited number of cases every year. Their term ends in June. They reconvene in October. And the thinking is there will be a ruling at some point before the term ends. And there will be a period every late May, early June, where like every week there's another landmark ruling. And I can remember weeks where like there were multiple big rulings that come out. And so they'll come out. It'll come at the appropriate time. Somebody asked me the other day, is there any chance it gets held over until the next term? I don't remember that ever happening where we were waiting for a major ruling and the ruling didn't come before the end of the term. I don't ever remember a, oh, you know what? We still haven't decided what to do. Because the haze in the barn, they've had the oral argument, they've submitted the briefs, it's ready. And surely there are people within the U.S. Supreme Court, the clerks, etc., who know where this is going. It's just a question of getting the final opinion written. Because what happens is the justices get together and they vote. Sometimes it's 9-0, sometimes it's 8-1, 7 2 how about that? That's quick math. So they know who's coming down where, and they assign to one of the judges the task of writing the opinion that explains the legal reasoning that that gets from A to B to C to D to the end result of the case. And then some of the judges who disagree will write their own dissenting opinion where they say basically why they think that it's wrong. Then there'll be concurring opinions where the judge agrees with the outcome but has different reasoning for getting to the same point. But my, my point is this. Before those all come out, and those can be long, detailed and they're very carefully written and crafted and there's footnotes and there's messages in the footnotes and the lawyers read the footnote what what does footnote seven mean what does that mean going forward i mean that that's how seriously these supreme court opinions are taken they are picked apart and dissected by lawyers who operate in that field of law so my point is this they already know what the ruling is going to be the question is when will the paperwork be ready when will the opinions be issued and it'll be some point between now and when the the term ends. Matt Yvonne, are you or have you ever been a car guy? What was your first ride and or coolest car you've ever owned? All right, let's do this. That's, oh my God. I thought we were only going to do an hour today and it's already over an hour. All right, I'm going to end on this one. Uh, and again, if I haven't asked your, if I haven't, if I haven't asked your question, if I haven't answered your question, feel free to ask it again. Volkswagen hand-me-down from my sister. That was the first car. And to the credit of my parents, because there wasn't a whole lot of money flowing around in those days. They at least paid to have the thing repainted because it was yellow. They paid to have it painted gray and to have the chrome redone in black, which was, which was, that was my idea. Now, it, it wasn't ideal because the, like on the, on the, where you put the key in the, the chrome, the, the black paint chipped off of the chrome. But uh, it, it, I was very happy with that car. That was the first car until it died sometime when I was a senior in high school. Before college, we, we scraped some cash together and got a used Ford Fairmont. And it wasn't just the usual Ford Fairmont. It was the Ford Fairmont Futura, the sporty version of the Ford Fairmont. I had that all through college. And then in law school, what happened was, I think it was either my newspaper route money or my Kentucky Fried Chicken money that I never really spent. And it was in an account. And it was time for a new car. That's when I got a used Volkswagen Jetta. And I'd had my eye on the Volkswagen Jetta for a while. Now, the one that was for sale about a block or two from where I lived, it was a stick. And I didn't know how to drive a stick. So I came home for a weekend, my first semester of law school, I'll never forget this. 
I came home and there was the there was the car that my mom had completed the transaction and she said, "Oh, by the way, I've taken care of the registration." Put the license plate on the Jetta. You can't drive the Ford anymore. We'll sell the Ford separately, but the Jetta is your car now. And it's like, I don't know how to drive it. And she said, well, you either will learn or you won't. And, and this was on a Friday. I was going back for class on Sunday. So needless to say, I got a crash course. One of my buddies taught me how to drive it. And uh, there's nothing like... There is nothing like absolute necessity and abject fear that will get you to learn how to do something that you're not quite sure you know how to do. I still remember puttering with that thing because I think I was going to get a haircut. That was the first trip in this car. It's like, what the hell do I do? And somehow I got it into gear and somehow I got it. It was just like a quarter mile or a half mile. It felt like 20 miles to get to the place where I got my haircut. I probably should have just walked. But I was just like, you know, what the hell? I mean, I got no choice. I got to learn how to drive this damn thing. So that was car number three. Then after law school, traded that in for a Mitsubishi Galant that was also a stick. Had that from 91 until 95. Got a Subaru Legacy LS. Got a great deal on it. It was smart. That was the best negotiation I ever did for a car. Pro tip, when you go in, find the board that shows who all is... You know, the sales, they, they sometimes they rank who's sold what to put pressure on, you know, the salespeople to sell better. Find the guy at the bottom, and if it's near the end of the month, the manager's more, going to be more inclined to help the guy at the bottom, unless he doesn't like the guy at the bottom and he wants him to, you know, be gone. But that helped me do a good deal. I, I, I saw the board, and I, and I found the guy at the bottom, and uh, we did a good deal for that legacy in 1995. Then, boy, what did I get next? 2001, I bought... A used Audi, what is it, um, A4, 2001, a used Audi A4. I love that car. That became, a few years later, a Volkswagen Touareg. That became an Audi a, a Q7, Q7, their SUV. That became Audi RS4. That was an impulse buy, uh, and that was the main car until I augmented it with the Ford F-150 Raptor. And then last summer, the RS4 was traded for the Alfa Romeo Quadrifoglio uh, Giulia. The, what do they call that? The Giulia uh, QV or something like that? I don't know. I love that car. That, car goes, that car's got 505 horsepower. So I'm not like a, a gearhead. Like I don't aspire to have a car that I'm working on. I'd love to buy an old car. I'd like to buy a 72 Olds orange with the shit beige top because my dad had that car. But uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to have like like a Ferrari or anything. I, I, I mean, I still try to be reasonable within reason. But uh, that's the full. If you ever wanted to know every car I've ever owned, well, whether you wanted to know or didn't, now you know. That's it for today. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Chris Sims, tentatively, tomorrow. And I know we've postponed it a couple of times, but all indications are we'll be able to pull it off tomorrow. So Chris Sims, Thursday unless he has jury duty again, PFT Live Thursday, PFT Live Friday, profootballtalk.com around the clock. Have a great day. You can find the PFT PM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFT PM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk.